0: Hey, it's Gonzano I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more, and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast.
1: A production of John Konzano's Baldface Truth. Back to the Baldface Truth with John Gonzano on 750 The Game.
0: Montana State, Big Sky Conference, playing a game at Providence Park Saturday night. They will play Oregon State. Joining us now to talk about it, Brent Viggan, head coach, Montana State. How are you, coach? How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on.
0: You bet. Um, look, uh, you, you get a chance to uh, to play Oregon State at Providence Park. I mean, over the years, I know montana state has played some games there uh, usually against portland state but it'll be fun it's a sold out game i think a lot of people in portland are excited to see games there but how are you guys feeling about it
1: no we're excited uh you know opportunity to play i think a very good pac-12 opponent uh, first of all but then uh yeah i get to play in portland uh, on a, a neutral site to some degree um we get a lot of players you know from the Pacific Northwest, uh, so it's a it's a game that'll be relatively close to home for a lot of our guys, um, and it should be a lot of energy, uh, you know, in the in the crowd that night. Um, so we're looking forward to it in every which way.
0: What do you see on film when you watch Oregon State's film?
1: A good team, uh, you know, a team that has really um, made significant progress in the in the last years since Coach Smith has been there, to the point where. You know, you watch them, and, and there's not a lot of weaknesses to them. They're really, they're really solid. Um, if not, uh, you know, really good at a lot of places. Um, you know, I, I, think offensively, they have a, they have a real identity. Um, you know, they can run it and throw it, and their are physical. Um, quarterback's gonna make, uh, make plays, um, and it and doesn't have to rely on, you know, just uh, one or two guys. I think they got plenty of guys he can spread it around to on defense. Um, you know, physical up front, um, a lot to handle, you know, and then you include their linebackers in that. It's a really, really good front seven. And then in the secondary, I floated with with guys that, you know, I think have gotten accolades for for good reason. So, um, yeah, they've, you know, and I probably hadn't seen them on film a lot the last couple years. I was at Wyoming, so we would get crossover film going back maybe three, four years ago, and I think they look a lot different than they did then.
0: We're talking to Brent Viggan, who's the head coach at Montana State. Uh, last year, you guys got to the championship game, uh, played North Dakota State. It was a fantastic season, uh, a lot of magic there. How how different are you guys last year to this year, personnel wise?
1: Well, we're different. Uh, we we had, you know, four guys off of last year's team that uh, are currently on NFL rosters, so we certainly do miss miss those guys. In addition to you know the rest of that senior group. Um, I think we have some some guys that maybe played a little bit more of a secondary role that are positioned um, to take a a good leap this year. Uh, I think we got some good young players that you know are continuing to find their way early in the season. So you know, I think on the surface you you, you look at the guys that we lost, and there were there were some big uh, departures. But I think we have the ability if we can continue to build momentum to you know, to be a playoff team, um, but that's a long ways off right now. So, you know, we've uh, – I think we've gotten better these first two weeks. This will be a, a huge test um, as we finish up non-conference play. Um, but I do like this team. I, I, I think we have a lot of the same um, makeup as last year while we lost some really good individuals.
0: You guys are dangerous. I mean, I, I look at this and I go, this this is not like a normal – payday game. This is this is a team that uh, is capable of beating uh you know a, an opponent in a power 5 conference on a given day. I'm also watching expansion and realignment happen. You came from Wyoming now in the Mountain West. Is Montana State ready for a jump up it conference-wise? Is that something that is being bantered about even with boosters and coaches and fans? Well, I don't
1: know if it is necessarily. I do know that and our head's not in the sand either. I think you see that there is a, um, there's going to be some movement, um, continued movement at the very top, and probably in particular out west. Um, what does that mean? Where does that trickle down hit us? I, I do, do feel like having coached in the Mountain West and coached at uh, both North Dakota State and now um, Montana State that, you know, the lines between the top of FCS and the group of five are, are pretty gray. Um, I, I do feel that now I and I do think you know we have a um, attractive location and institution in in pro athletic program that is not just about football so I do think there's some reason to believe if you know if there is some kind of shift down the down the road um, that we can be on the right side of that but what, exactly what that means I don't know I think we got we gotta we gotta continue to put all our chips in where we're at. Um, and that's at the FCS level right now and do the very best we can. Um, but, uh, you know, keep pushing our programs forward. And, and as the landscape of college athletics changes, just, uh, you know, put our, position ourselves the best we can be to, um, to be on the right side of those decisions.
0: The the span support that you get at Montana state is fantastic. You know, I was just looking at your attendance from last season and of course you guys were really good, but, that, that community, that fan base, the support you have, that, that community travels. Will you get some Montana State fans at Providence Park on Saturday?
1: I think without question. Yeah, I saw it today where it sold out, so if that's the twenty-six range. I, I can't say how many, but I think we'll have a pretty vocal crew. Um, I know when we played out there last year against Portland State, uh, we had a good crowd for that game. Um, and, and Like you mentioned, we do travel well. Um, so yeah, whatever that number is going to be, I'm not quite sure, but I know we'll have a presence, um, just depending on maybe how eager our fans were to get those tickets. Uh, so we look forward to it, uh, you know, playing a game, I guess on the road, but having, uh, Oregon state have to travel up the road too. It does, it does make it a little bit, uh, I suppose more neutral, even though it is in their home state.
0: Give me an idea. You you watch the tape. You see Jonathan Smith, you know, lining up to kick the field goal to tie the game, send it into overtime. All of a sudden, there's a timeout. He sends Jack Coletto onto the field. Oregon State's going to win the game. What did you think of that as a coach?
1: Well, I was watching it live um, late Saturday night, and, you know, I think I find myself at the end of whatever game kind of you know, trying to put yourself in, in coach's shoes and, and the, the sequencing, the back and forth, maybe through that whole fourth quarter um, was something. I mean, it, even as much, you know, Fresno misses a field goal and should they have kicked that deep field goal, then they go, you go and score and they miss the extra point. They go up four, giving Oregon State a, a different way to look at that last drive. And then you get the pass interference. Um, what was it, eight seconds left, I believe, at, prior to that play, are they going to, you know, how's that going to play out and then the back and forth between the timeouts um you know ultimately uh trusted his players and you know they went out and made a play so and that's a you know those plays um those can be season changing i mean it's one game but the momentum that can be created uh and the confidence that can be built um is something so we're on the other side of all that i guess uh so no, it was uh you know, it was a gutsy decision by Coach Smith and it it paid off and you know, now we get a chance to to face that I, I suppose that uh that energy and confidence that was potentially built out of that play.
0: Now I had a big sky scout tell me, Hey, this game's gonna be like uh, you know, two teams in a headlock. They they're gonna play field position, they're both gonna run a one run the ball. Um, do you see some similarities in kind of your approach offensively and and what oregon state tries to do
1: i think overall philosophically um, how they play i think their offense and their defense and field position and special teams i think that all matters turnover margin matters too and it does does to us i think it might look a little bit different offensively they get under center much more than we do Um, probably play with multiple tight ends and fullbacks more than we do but i think just how to go about it, um, having balance you know, trying to really uh, uh, go after balance. I think we both really value that. Um, I think stopping the run on on defense and really trying to make uh, the opponent one-dimensional is something we're both aiming to do. So yeah, I think there's there's certainly some similarities with just the overall philosophy and how you go about trying to to win football games. So um, you know. Who's more physical? Who protects the football? Who's more opportunistic in the red zone? I think all those things will be um, things we really need to, to do well uh, to have a have a chance on on Saturday.
0: We're talking to Montana State's coach uh, Brent Viggan is with us. They play Oregon State on Saturday night, Providence Park, sold out. Uh, you know, in the Big Sky Conference, in a, in the division that you guys play. The transfer portal becomes dicey, and I see it all the time. Teams have success. You got guys getting in the portal. How are you keeping guys at Montana State? What are you selling there?
1: Well, I think I think you got to have an experience that they don't want to leave. I think that sounds, um, I may be a little bit hokey, but I think that's where it has to start. They have to be bought into what what you're doing, how they're being treated. Um, the bond that they have with their teammates. I I think all that really matters. Now we're doing everything we can, you know, to take care of our guys too. You know, whether, whether that's um, scholarship wise, I know we, you know, we have a group of uh, supporters that have started a collective. So, you know, we're trying to do things the very best we can. um, But ultimately it comes down to hopefully our experience is something that they don't want to, they don't want to depart from and for the most part these first two years we've had we've had success with that um where we haven't had uh, mass departures but we've had some departures you know and i think that's that's going to be the nature of it um but you got you know treat them well and and hopefully they you know they just fall in love with the place and you know don't even consider leaving i guess is the is the best approach that we have i, I believe is it
0: is it I guess you know all coaches at all levels. They simultaneously will say things like, you know, it's great for the kids, but then also they're watching their backup quarterbacks, right? And they're going, "Hey, we we got to be careful. That guy's going to jump in the portal, and we're going to lose depth." Um, how should that be handled? Like, do you, if the NCAA or Congress came to you and said, "Coach, give us some uh, input here with the portal and what should be available to kids." What kind of guardrails would you put on it?
1: Well I think the you know they, they've gotten a little wiser. I think the timing of when you can go is, has been helpful or will be helpful I think but I, I say that I mean technically they can't go until December but you see already guys leaving their institutions this year even though they're technically not in the, the transfer portal so I don't know I think I think where we're at, it's, it's probably not going to go backwards. I think leaving it at one opportunity to transfer, I think, is pretty important. The thought of having multiple transfers, I don't know what that does, what kind of message that sends to, um, to anyone, I guess, as far as being, you know, if you don't like it, if you don't like your lot, you give up. Um, I think there is something to just sticking with it and playing it out. Um, you know, so if they get their one-time transfer and if they're in position to graduate, or graduate down the road and they can become a graduate transfer i do think that's okay um you know i, I just think each one of us coaches at uh every program across the country it probably has its own view and has to treat it in its own way relative to their institution um you know you start getting into everybody's opinion and i don't i don't think you can rest on anything so i think we're we're at least getting some guardrails and i, I do think the the one-time transfer i hope it I hope it stays at that. That's probably be, that's probably my biggest thing as we move forward. Um, ending that I think would be that would be problematic for sure.
0: Portland State's got an issue. I know this is, you know, a little outside of school for an interview like this, but you know, that's their home stadium or it used to be their home stadium. Well, you will play on Saturday night. They're now out in Hillsboro. They'd love to get back downtown. Um, as a Big Sky member with the health of the Big Sky conference in as part of this discussion, you know, how important is it for a place like Portland state, Sacramento state, Weber state to have a stadium that is in proximity to their campus?
1: Well, I think it's really important. You know, obviously we, we played out in Hillsborough last year and and there wasn't uh, the same field that you get playing here on campus. I know that, Um, you know, that, that student uh, interaction, Fan uh, involvement that that we have, I don't think that's possible where they're located. And I haven't been to every venue in the conference to this point, but been you know over my my time as a coach, been in a lot of them. And and, you know, having the on campus uh, or close to campus proximity, I think is pretty important. Um, I'd imagine Coach Barnum would really want to get back to to playing at Providence uh, Park and. Um, you know, I, I guess I would be all for that. It'll be, it'll be great for us to get a chance to experience it, uh, on Saturday. And I'm sure I'll, I'll recognize that that'd be a better opportunity for them in our conference than, you know, them having to play all the way out in Hillsborough.
0: You, you know, your time at Wyoming, you guys got to throw the ball a little bit and and, you know, you saw some great players. Uh, you, 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 what did you learn there? I guess on Craig Ball staff, what did you pick up there that maybe you couldn't get anywhere else? And certainly, you look at a guy like Josh Allen, what was that like?
1: Well, I think first of all working with Josh was um, you know, was a great experience for me. Um, I think I think as we moved in, moved through our time both at North Dakota State and Wyoming, I was with Coach Bowl at both places for eighteen years. I, I think we, we we sorted out what we were looking for in quarterbacks. Um, and, and you know, fortunately we, we hit on a guy like Josh who who was um, you know far from refined and and you know he did a lot for for the, the school at Wyoming for the football program and uh, will continue to and, and um, you know really proud of, of having a chance to be part of his journey um, you know I think I think a bigger picture for me um, coaching in the mountain West getting a appreciation for you um, a different region of the country and uh, a region that shares the, a very similar footprint to the Big Sky. The Pac-12 uh, recruiting um, is a big part of what what I learned about because you know prior to that I've been at North Dakota State. We were primarily you know Midwest and 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 South, I guess. Um, but uh, you know a lot of good football played throughout uh, the West Coast, and um, you know I, I think the, there's a lot of ties between. You know uh, the the big sky and the Mountain West and the Pac-12. Uh, you know you look at a coach like Coach Smith, who's who's coached in, in each one of the conferences. He's coached. Uh, um, you know I, I'm sure he's got an appreciation for this, the differences and the similarities. And, and now having coached in you know obviously two of those three leagues, I, I feel I'm I'm getting more uh, more a feel for that. I guess. So no, the, the experience for me at Wyoming. Um, on the on the football side. Um was a great learning experience and then you know, the appreciation of living out west and um, you know, I couldn't be happier. My family couldn't be more happy to be in Bozeman right now.
0: Coach, I wish you the best Saturday. I appreciate you giving us some of your time and, and good luck to you down the road.
1: All right, appreciate it. Go cats.
0: All right. There's Brent Vigan. He is the football coach at Montana State. Previously he was the quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator at wyoming where he encountered josh allen good stuff from him i thought it was really interesting too when he talked a little bit about you know their heads not buried in the sand as as a member of the big sky conference montana state i think would be among the candidates if the mountain west conference loses a san diego state loses a boise state or a fresno state i think you could expect somebody like montana state to fill that void and and uh what that would mean for the rest of the big sky conference uh, we all know like uh it would be a big blow to lose a tentpole program like that montana state oregon state saturday night providence park leave it here our big splash is coming up
1: back to the bald-faced truth with john canzano peter sampson is up next with the pulse from six to seven on 750 the game
0: I was looking at some college football coaches who are on the hot seat, or maybe their seat's getting warm today. And uh, not that the seat's getting warm actually today, but their seats are getting warm, period, end stop. Uh, One of the guys in the Pac-12 Conference, I think think the only two coaches in the Pac-12 Conference who could be in trouble this season are Arizona State's Herm Edwards, in part because of all the off-field stuff and the NCAA probe. And the other guy is Colorado's Carl Durrell. Carl Durrell is making $3.6 million, highest paid coach in Colorado program history. He's 0-2. He's 4-12 in his last 16. I looked at his contract today uh, trying to figure out, like, you know, how patient can Rick George, the athletic director at Colorado, be with Carl Durrell? Because I, I think Colorado is a sleeping giant. It, you know, I did a radio interview yesterday in, in Seattle, KJR in Seattle, and we were talking about Washington. And there's some real similarities between the donor base of Colorado, the tradition and history at Colorado, the um, success that Colorado has had. There's some real correlation between, between Colorado and Washington. Um, so I think the fans in Colorado are really frustrated right now. But Carl Durrell's contract protects him a little bit. I looked at it today. If they terminate him before December 31st of this year, they'll owe him $11.4 million in a buyout. Uh, if they do it after that date, let's say they wait one more day, let's just say January 1st, it drops to $7.4 million. It's not unthinkable, but if they wait one more year, it drops to $4 million. And I got to thinking about Scott Frost because we saw the report about Scott Frost and his buyout, and he's getting $15 million. And had Nebraska waited, like, till October 1st, it would have dropped in half to 7.5. But, you know, Trev Alberts, the athletic director at Nebraska, said he couldn't wait a day longer, a minute longer. He said he owed it to the players to give them a different voice and a different vision. $7.5 million, guys. Like, they couldn't wait a couple of weeks? Um, Carl Durrell doesn't quite have the same protection that Frost has, and he's got a worse record. I I kind of think Colorado will stick with him at least until January 1. And then beyond that, probably stick with him for another year, another season. But beyond that, I don't think Carl Durrell gets any more time unless he turns it around. I agree with you. Um, You know, it's a tough spot that he's in. Like, they're not expected to do much, and it was just, you know, when Mel Tucker left... They needed to replace it really quickly and they got Carl Durrell. So it's kind of a no win situation that he's in. And at this point, like if you fire him, how much are you really expecting out of Colorado to be? Yeah. Right? Like are they gonna get to six wins if you fire him? Like if you have a if you have the best coach, if you have Nick Saban, are they getting to six or seven wins? Maybe, probably, but you're not gonna get that level of coach. So you might as well just write it out until it's a little cheaper.
1: Yeah, The thing with Carl Durrell, you know, I compare him to Jed Fish often at Arizona because both programs have been completely rebuilding and both coaches got hired around the similar time. Jed Fish is bringing in transfers. He's recruiting at a high level. He's keeping the guys that are good on his team around. It's the complete opposite at Colorado. They lost a lot of their best players from last year. It doesn't seem like they're recruiting very well. doesn't seem like they're adding anyone, and their team is just at rock bottom to the point where they're losing by multiple scores to Air Force. So, I, yeah, I think Carl Durrell, man, it's uh, I think he's in, he's in deep, deep trouble.
0: I think he's in trouble as well, but I think they're going to wait. I also kind of wonder, like, you think about Nebraska and Colorado almost in the same breath back in the day in the Big 12 Conference. Like, they were uh, teams that played neck and neck, and now you have such a fall from grace for both of those programs. Really interesting to do that. We don't need to play the benchmark here, but our big splash today is coming out of the NBA. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, he told reporters today that he doesn't have the right to take the Phoenix Suns away from Robert Sarver, who has been uh, punished for making racist and misogynist remarks. Um, Silver said this is not the same as Donald Sterling. He, Sarver got a $10 million fine and a one-year suspension. Um, but Adam Silver telling reporters that, uh, look, uh, we didn't have the right to take the team away from Sarver. We'll talk about it coming up. Up next, uh, we will go to BYU territory. Oregon fans, pay attention. Stick around. Thank